0: Shaw and my wife uh, Katrina, and our three kids, Spencer, Kate, and Lucy, here with you in Belleville. And Katrina grew up here and, and uh, we moved here about three and a half years ago and joined the Desert Stream family. but like I said, Katrina was here at the planting of the church over about 23 years ago with Kevin and Sherry. And uh, she remembers when the church used to meet at the Christian school up the road. Pastor Kevin was her youth pastor at uh, Calvary Temple. And uh, so that's kind of how we got here today. And it's a lot of story, and we'd be happy to share that story another time. But we're here, and it's, it's, a, it's a journey to follow God. When he's reckless like that, and he's going after you, and you begin to say yes to God, he begins to take you all over the world or, or wherever he wants to go with you. And it's quite an adventure. And I just want to thank... Uh, Sherry's here today, I know, and, and, and Kevin is down in Nicaragua, uh, and he was on a trip there with uh, Carlos and Luis and, and Ken Gill, and, uh, you know, Sherry and Kevin opened their hearts to Katrina and I, and they invited us to come on a journey with them here at this fellowship in this church, and we knew it was right. In our hearts, we had so much peace, and they said, would you pray about it? If the Lord wills, would you come with us and join us on a journey of faith? And what a journey of faith. And it's, just an, it's a privilege to be here and to, to walk with you in that journey. And uh, I wanted to open with a story this morning. We've been talking about going to the next level and uh, with God and as a church. And uh, we're going to do that this morning. I wanted to start with a story I heard at uh, the funeral of the evangelist Billy Graham, uh, who died uh, late February at the age of 99 years old. His daughter, Ruth Graham, told a story at the funeral, and uh, she was saying, I want to tell you a story about the essence of who my father was to me. And she, she had known that many people have heard her story, and she's told it many times, but she had to tell it because this is who her father was to her. See, uh, this, uh, Ruth uh, Graham, the daughter of, uh, of Billy Graham, she had, her first marriage had ended in divorce after many years, and that was pretty hurtful and shameful to her. But she wanted to get a fresh start, and so she met with the family, and they said, you know, you need a fresh start. So she moved next to one of her sisters in a different town, found a new church with her family. She wanted to start over. After she went to that church, she met uh, a, a widower, a, a gentleman, and uh, the pastor introduced and said, this is a Christian man. And so, wow, they started meeting together, and then they started dating Ruth and this other gentleman. Well, they started. Uh, Ruth said they started dating fast and quickly and t- furiously, and and uh, both Ruth's parents said, you know, maybe we could meet this fellow, or maybe you should bring him home and we can spend some time together. We don't really know this man, and she goes, oh, you know, we're fine. And her, her children weren't too thrilled about this gentleman either. But she said, what do my children know? They're not—they've not a marrying age. I, I'm my own person. I know what's best for me. So she did not listen to her father or her mother's advice or the inner advice that a child will give you if you listen quietly. How many know the Bible says to honor your father and mother, that it may go well with you? She did not do that. So, on New Year's Eve, she married this gentleman. Without really the blessing or the knowledge of her parents, within 24 hours, she she realized she made a horrible mistake, and she pretty much had to flee the relationship. And with great shame, She realized, she goes, you can imagine what you'd go through knowing that you had now been divorced twice. But when your father is Billy Graham, there's a different level of shame and conviction that comes. Because you're supposed to have it all together when Billy Graham's your dad. So she said, I have to go home. So she began the two-day drive back to the family farm in North Carolina. And she began to rehearse, what am I going to tell my mom? What am I going to tell my dad? What kind of, I'm so ashamed of who I've become and the choices i made. They were right. I was wrong. Maybe they're going to say to me, you know, enough's enough. It's time to move on. Maybe I've burned the last bridge. And so she drove the two days. And she said she lives on a windy road. And you go up past the trees up to the family farm. But guess who was at the top of the farm on the hill? Dad was there, and she said she saw her father, and she got out of the car, and Billy was standing there with his arms wide open, and she came out of the car, because you know what she was thinking, right? What's my dad going to say? She got out of the car, and he embraced her, and he said two words, welcome home. And at that moment, she said there was no shame, there was no blame. There was no condemnation, just unconditional love. And she said, my father was not God. But in that day, I knew what God was like. He was a faithful representative that day of what God is like. And today I want to remind you that God... Wants to be your Savior, yes, but he wants, there's more than that. You begin to mature and move into fellowship with God and become a friend of God. And today's uh, primary message is going to be out of the Gospel of John. If you would turn to chapter 15 with me. I love the Gospel of John. It's a lot different than the other Gospels, Ma- Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Those are called the uh, Synoptic Gospels. They're very similar, and they Think historically, they use the same document to develop those three Gospels. But John is different. John doesn't write the same way as the others. And as I was studying the Gospel of John, what jumped out to me is that God... Today we're going to talk about what God wants to do in the next level. But let me start with the passage. We're going to go to John 15. If you have your Bibles, or I encourage you to bring your electronic device. I see iPads, phones, whatever... It's so fun to learn the scriptures together. So I encourage you at church, bring your phone or your your, uh, paper Bible, however you do. Take notes. uh, Write things down. You learn more when you write. Your mind is sharper when you add writing. So there's there's places to take notes in your bulletin this morning. I'm going to read John chapter 15, 9 through 17. Then we're going to get a very specific verse out of that. Jesus was talking to his disciples, and he said, As the Father loved me, I I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Verse 11, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Verse 12, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. And today's specific verse that I want to focus on is John 15, 15. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all the things that I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. And you notice that it's uh, in red up there on the screen. And for a long time, I didn't even know what that meant. But in the, in the New Testament, whenever Jesus has a direct quote, Many Bibles put the in red just to signify that Jesus Christ, God's Son, is talking. Not the, it's not a quote or a thought from the writer, but a quote directly from Jesus called the Red Letters. So today we're talking about taking our friendship with God to the next level. And a ver, one of the new verses uh, that jumped out to me, it's not new, obviously the Bible's been around a few years, but uh, a, a verse that jumped out to me is Mark 3, 13 through 15. And I want to read that to you. Because it does a great job of capsulizing what I uh, desire or what I think God wants us to, to experience together. It says, verse 13, And we went up on the mountain, and he called, him, I called to him those he himself wanted. And they came to him, and then he appointed the twelve, that they might be with him, that he might send them out to preach. Well, it's a very interesting verse. Have you ever noticed that Jesus called his disciples first to him, right? He called them where? To him. And who did he call? Those he wanted. I never saw that he wanted us like that. He wants you and me to be his disciple. You know, it's a choice. God's choice to love you. It's a desire of his heart. He wants you today. He goes on to say that they came to him, then he gave them two things. Do You notice the two things that he did. First, he says he appointed the twelve that, number one, they might be with him. So he wants you, and now he wants you to be with him. Your first call to go to the next level with God, you need to be with him. Second thing is, God gave them some ministry tasks to do. But do you notice that you you want to be first before you do? That's opposite of how the world teaches. The world says, go do something so you can get some money. Then once you have some stuff, you're going to be someone special. Right? That's the world's way. God's way is, know who you are first as a friend and child of God. Because you're a friend and child of God, you have certain inheritances from him. You have those things now to go and use in ministry. It's flipped. And so today we want to focus on shifting from working for God to being a friend of God. And it's a, it's, it's a little shift, but it does change everything. And I want to show you this picture of this table to give you a visualization of what God wants to do in your relationship. Do you notice the table is set for how many people? Two. Two. God and you. God leaves the 99 for you. And he's inviting you to the table of fellowship. He wants you to come and sit with him. And now, are the, are the chairs uh, facing each other or faced outward? Each other. God wants to look right at you, face to face. He wants to sit knees together, eyes focused, looking right at you. And it's been fun. The last three years, uh, Pastor Kevin has been teaching me on uh, what does it mean to be a son of God, and he's a really good teacher at that. And if you ever get a chance to take him out to coffee or lunch, he'll describe those teachings to you personally and his own journey in that area. But he has done, been very faithful to teach me that this is what God is looking for—that kind of relationship. Now, do you notice? There's no time clocks. There's no task lists. There's a meal. Friends spend time together because they want to, not because you have to. God wants to spend time with you because he doesn't have to, because he wants to. And that's why at our church, you'll hear belong, believe, become. Because there's a progression in our relationship with God. And today... When you, when you find out that you belong and you're invited to the table, it can begin everything. A lot of us can jump to the second and third place. And we can do our whole life without first realizing the first point of belonging at the table with God. So we end up working harder because we think if we work just hard enough, if we're a good enough Christian, I'll finally be invited into the house. But at Desert Stream, we don't teach that. We believe the gospel is... You get to come into the house on day one. And you get the same rights and privileges of every son and daughter that ever has been. That's the good news. Nothing's earned. I couldn't earn it. I couldn't deserve it. That reckless love of God, it chases me down. It leaves the 99. For the one. Come to the table. This is, that's why we use those three words. Is because it's progression. Once you know who you are and where you belong, you begin to trust and believe Jesus Christ in the words that he he gave us in the scriptures, and it launches us out in our becoming. But we don't want to get that reversed, like the world would become first and go and do everything we can. But we end up doing things uh, out of the wrong spirit and for the wrong reasons. You know, we all started being drawn by his love. I was like four and a half and five when a pastor said, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, he will remove the sin out of your heart, forgive your sin, And then you can go to heaven one day. And I raised my hand as a little boy and said, that's what I want. I do not want to go to hell. Sounds very hot, very bad place. Heaven sounds very good and very full of love. So I put my hand up and I did the Jesus thing. Because it just, why wouldn't you? I don't know. I I really wanted heaven. This Jesus guy seemed like a great guy. I mean, he died for me. That's what we're going to focus on Friday and then Sunday and his resurrection. But that's just the beginning. See, I thought once you make that choice by faith to ask Jesus into your heart, now you work really hard to be a good person. I thought that was the gospel. But that's not the gospel. We don't earn anything before or after our salvation. But unfortunately, I grew up thinking that you better not make any mistakes if he catches you and he comes back that day and the rapture happens, You're toasted, dude. I was just kind of afraid all the time. I think my parents were a little bit afraid because that was the gospel they were taught from their pulpit. So there's always an unhealthy fear. And how many know that God is not fear? The Bible says God is love, that he casts out all fear. So I've noticed that a lot of us start our foundations in a good place with our relationship with God by faith, but we quickly move out of that Begin to work at things. We try to serve God, and then maybe one day we'll be his friend. Are you tired of trying, trying to serve God enough so that you finally can get in the house and come to the table? See, there's many differences between a relationship with God that's built on serving him or a relationship with God that's built on a friendship with him. So I wanted to highlight a few of those differences. So let's start off... Uh, in a traditional hierarchy of what it's like. um, If you think of a servant mentality, let's think of a a servant mentality because it's the opposite of what a friend is. Now, servants, if you think of it in, in a traditional sense, what we're taught is God is at the top of the pyramid, right? He always will be because he's God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. That'll never change. But then we said, if you're a really good Christian, you'll be a foreign missionary. Those are the top Christians, those are the ones that have served the most. Then, second is, you're going to be one of the five-fold ministers, an apostle, a prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist. If you're one of those, then you must really be a strong, you know, God's favorite. But if you can't make that, there's other options. You can get like second or third class Christian. You can be maybe a missionary that helps with children or women or church planting or maybe you could be an elder or a deacon or a teacher. Because we think if we finally could be like one of those people, we would really be God's friend. We would really be God's favorite. Those are the lies that slip into our mind. These might be true in some sense of structures of authority and influence that God has set up on the earth. That's totally fine. But does it, it's not the same rules when it comes to friendship. You know that everyone has a level playing field when it comes to friendship with God? But the traditional sense is we look to these structures and we think, well, maybe one day if I really get my stuff together, then I'll finally be a friend of God and I'll be accepted and be well-loved. That's the lie because it's a top-down model. It's about power and position that set the tone. And a servant is expected to be compliant. So we think uh, us uh, as servant of God, right? Haven't you heard that? I'm a servant of God. I'm going to be compliant to his task list. But there's little understanding of what you're doing or why you're doing it. There's little understanding of the other person. And you're focusing on your task and your duties all the time. Servants have relationships based on what they can do for others. Servants are based on business. And business is based on contract. And you set up a contract to protect yourself, right? So we end up Setting up deals with God, trying to earn things and protect ourselves so we can stay in the family. Servants punch time clocks. They have a checklist of items to do. And loyalty as a servant is expected as long as you're fulfilling the contract. If it's a good payoff, you're in. But if you disagree with what you're getting paid, you say, you know what, I'm giving my two weeks. It's over. And you walk out. Because the relationship is based on what you're providing that person. That's not a friendship. And I'm not even saying that it's wrong in these employee relationships to do that. I'm trying to show you the difference between a friendship with God and being in a servant relationship with God. You know, we lived in Africa in Uganda for six months. And we had three different people that we hired that worked with us on the property. It was a a big house and a large property. And they worked and they did different jobs around the house. And we had certain agreements with all three individuals. Some did cooking and cleaning or house care or child sitting. Some did security. Some took care of the grounds, all that managed things. And we would set certain financial promises to them. But what's interesting is when the meals were cooked, uh, the young uh, lady Jennifer, awesome woman of God, when she'd cooked the meals, where would she sit after she cooked the meal? space between us. She would sit over here or out in the back porch eating the, the little bit. And we would sit at the family table. And we'd say, Jennifer, what are you doing over there? She goes, oh, I'm eating. Come and sit at the table. Oh, no, 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 no. We don't do it that way. Because she, she was in a servant role and we were in the family role And those were boundaries that weren't supposed to be crossed. But Jennifer was becoming family to us because she was a sweet sister in the Lord. So we started breaking those cultural rules on purpose to show her that kind of reckless love. It's a different type of love. And we said, no, you could come to the table. So in an awkward sense, she would sit down and kind of watch us and be awkward and eat her meal with us in silence. And over six months, that began to slowly change. But culturally, she was a servant and not just a friend that came by the house. But we were trying to break that down because we didn't see her that way. And because we trusted her with the children, you have a lot of affection for someone if you can trust them with your own children. And so we were trying to break those things down. But it's interesting, isn't it? Because... At nighttime in Africa at 7 or 7.30, you shut all your doors and everything because all the mosquitoes will come in, which have malaria, so you have to shut everything down at nighttime. So who stays in the house and who stays outside the house? That's a question. Well, with your a close family or friend, you come into the house. If you're an employee or someone or a security guard, you stay outside the house. So you see how we think about our relationships. God is wanting to know, well, Can he come into your house? And will you go into his house? Will you stay with him? How many of you did sleepovers when you were young with your friends? They were so much fun. So much pizza and video games and pillow fights and birthday parties. See, with your friends, you do overnighters. You stay the night. It's fun. But if you don't have trust like that, the door shuts at night. So let's jump to friends. Friends. Are different. Let's look at this uh, picture here. Friends on the left, it's all about connection with your friend. With, when you're friends with God, it's all about connecting. It's about sharing yourself or sharing me and understanding them. You free, I freely choose to share my life appropriately with someone because I love them and trust them. That's a friend. You're, you're working on connection. You're sharing your heart. They're sharing their heart. But when you go over to the other side, on the servant's side, it's about the stuff. What are you getting out of the relationship? It's, a, it's, it's not a two-way street. It's not mutual. I choose to complete a task for you if you compensate me for it. Compensation might be money. It might not be. But there's two ways of doing life. And this one on my right, the connection side, is the God model. It's the, it's the friendship model. Now, you need to do it appropriately. And you need to invite people in your life as you can build a bridge of trust with them. And you still need boundaries. But you begin sharing yourself. Like I do with my wife. And I do with my children. And I do with certain people in my life. If I've just met you, I can't share everything with you because it wouldn't be appropriate. But over time, if we build a relationship and friendship, we can share more. These friends are two ways. And the relationship is based on who we are Together. Friendship with God is not based on your behavior. It's based on a covenant. Remember when I said servants are based on contracts? God's relationship with you is based on a covenant. And covenants are not based on the other person's behavior. They're based on your promises to them. So whether you mess up or not, God's not going to say, okay, you blew it the fourth time. You're out. But I think we think that way. No, God says, I have made a covenant with you. Through my son, Jesus Christ. And if you would believe in him and believe that I sent him, I will give you everlasting life. You can become a child and friend of God and you're welcome in the house at any time. That's the gospel. See, friends sacrifice for each other because they want to, not because they have to or because they're paid to do it. Love is the motivator in friendship with God, not money or stuff. And that convicted me because sometimes I think of God going, well, God, I hope you come through. God, I could use some new this. I could use some nicer this. God, I'd like a car like this. But see how we're getting into the stuff all of a sudden? And I'm not against stuff. But it's easy to slip into a stuff relationship with God. And that's when we have to slow down and say, oh, Father, I'm sorry. It's about the relationship. And God promised to meet all of our needs out of that relationship. Proverbs uh, First Proverbs there is 17, 17. A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. So when times get tough, everyone says they know who their real friends are, right? Because friends are born for those times. True friends are born for that time. God won't leave you. And Proverbs eighteen twenty four, said, friends stick closer than a brother. Friends invite people over for meals and out to lunch. Friends have fun lists, not to-do lists. You know your friend, you say, Someday we should go to Niagara Falls and we'll get some hotels and we'll bring our families and we're going to have a great time and then we're going to go to, you know, to uh, Canada's Wonderland and this and then we're going to go to the county and go to the beaches and have barbecues. See how friends talk? They want to do it. You don't go, well, we have to, you know, pay our taxes pretty soon and we have to do this and we have to do that. So what's your relationship with like God? Is it a have to or a get to? Because God wants to be your friend. And once you and God are close friends, that's when he says, okay, now let's go make some new friends. And he'll begin to send you out, which is the, you know, belong, believe, become. When you get to the become stage, now that you're a friend of God, you can go out and invite everyone else into the friendship of God. That's the mission. That's the action. That's the doing. And that's where the Holy Spirit is taking us as a church, moving us from just peeking from the outside, looking in. And I wanted to show you this picture of window shopping. Isn't it kind of fun to window shop? You know, you you look in and you see that nice stuff. Man, if I only had, like I tell my wife when we go to some, if I only had an extra 1000 or $2, I could really have a fun day today. Because we think that if we would get that thing, it would make us happy on the inside, right? And certain things do bring happiness and joy. I understand that. But I believe what God is saying to us as a church, as a local body, he doesn't want us to settle for looking in the window at him from a distance. We know that one day we were saved because we said, you know, Jesus, would you come into my life and forgive my sins? Yes, I will. Thank you. Praise God. I'm forgiving. I'm going to heaven one day. And then we, 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 there's a glass wall that goes up. And we begin to look in and say, wow, I, I'm, I'm okay. God's over there. You know, I don't want to get too close because he might really have something to say to me. For one, I'm probably in trouble because he knows about my junk in my life and he could really get after me. So we, we're, we start settling for the glass window and the foggy mirror and we, we look in and, you know, I wish I could have fellowship. I wish I could go to the table. I wish I could come in and sit down with him. But I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to settle for here. I'm going to have to settle. But I believe God is saying, no more window shopping for us. It's time to enter in. It's time to go in. And if you're supposed to buy it, buy it. You're supposed to go in for the the meal, sit down and have a great time, and no regrets. But don't settle for window shopping with God. Don't settle for staying outside when he's called you inside. The table has been set. The invitation has gone out to all creation. His door is open. You see the table there. The Father's arms are open wide. Our choice is if we're going to walk in the door. And if you're in Canada, take your shoes off when you go into a house. God is inviting you through those doors. He wants to have a meal with you. He wants to move from you setting the table, I'm going to be the servant, to no son or daughter, friend. The the table's already set. But I want you to come and sit with me and let's have a talk. Let's have a chat one-on-one. Let's talk about real things. Let's share our lives. Let's begin to trust one another. Let's share the secrets of each other's hearts. That's friendship with God. And it's a whole other level than servanthood. I watched these really fun videos on Netflix when we were flying uh, two weeks ago uh, to a big island where it's warm. And uh, we were flying that direction. It's six hours time change from here. We were flying there. It was like a four-hour flight, one of the, and I, so I downloaded these cool uh, movies on Netflix, and one of them was all about the Father's heart and how he loves everybody and welcomes people back no matter what they've done. So I'm in the back of the plane crying my eyes out, ah, God loves me, reckless love. You know, I'm just crying and, you know, and all this, and this lady, later on, I'm, I'm reading my Bible, and the stewardess comes back and goes, hey, that's a good book. I said, Yes. It is a great book. And so I'm just full of love now. I've watched all these Christian shows. I've been crying my eyes out back there. And she goes, it is, it's a really good book. And I said, it's awesome, isn't it? She goes, it's good. I said, yes, God is good. Everyone else is sleeping or talking and it's just us. And she goes, you know what? Yeah, she goes, I've been thinking about coming back to God and I I I got in my I was I had my whole row there it was just my whole Katrina was over there I had my whole row so I'm next to the window and I put my arms out like that door I said guess what you can come back right now God's arms are wide open He's heaven's ready for you she goes yeah that's right You're right I'm going to come back I'm coming back she said I'm coming back She goes I, I that's true they are open and she was like she just woke up And she I I am coming back and she goes now I just have to learn to forgive myself. I said, well, guess what? Jesus will help you with that too. He'll show you how to do that. She goes, that's right. She goes, wow. And then she just left and she went to the back of the plane and started serving coffee and tea and everything. But when you come as a friend of God, if you're in an airplane or at the store, wherever you go, just go like this door wide open. Don't judge people and say, well, you can't. You know, you can't come into the Father's house. We are, once you're God's friend, now you're his representative everywhere you go. And many of you have told me your stories at work and when you travel. You have the best stories because God uses you everywhere you go. And God sends you out all over the place to be his representative, his friend. We're friends of God, not just servants. We're friends, and we can invite them to the table. You know, when I was 19 years old, I met a group of friends who had a a relationship with God who could listen to God's voice. And they began to talk and show me that there's more to God than just a one-way relationship, a service model. They showed me that you can be a child of God and be friends with Him. They were so sold out for me. Why are they so happy? Why are they so excited for God? Why were they so passionate about the Holy Spirit and about God? I never met anyone like that. There was whole groups of people. So I said, you know what, I'm going to try it. They tried it, and they seemed to be way happier than I am. So I might as well try this God thing at a whole other level, surrender my life, and begin talking and listening to God himself. Because that's what friends do, right? Friends are two-way relationship. So I, I spoke with the junior hires a few years ago about this. I went and bought my uh, root beer, uh, you know, the glass bottles of uh, root beer. Uh, they didn't sell them in Canada at the time, so it was a real treat. I was in Br- British Columbia, so I went in the States to Langley, got some uh, root beers that, don't the, I forget what brand it is, but they only sell it. Not dad's, um, I don't know, not A&W, no, not buyers, hires. See, it's only in, in the U.S., you don't know it. Maybe it's still only in the U.S., so it, it was like contraband, and my friends would like buy it from me when I brought it up. So I got my root beer, my glasses of root beer, and I was in uh, Langley, B.C., and I got my little notepad, and I took the cap off, and I started walking around the campus like this. Uh, um, This is a little awkward, God, but I guess we're supposed to be friends now, and friends are supposed to talk to each other. So I'm just going to start walking and talking, and we're going to start this relationship thing. And I didn't even know what you're supposed to, what are you supposed to say to God of the universe? I don't know. I just started walking around and waiting for God to speak to me. God, you can speak to me. And then you wait, and you're listening. I didn't hear anything. And I started doing that over and over and over again. Because our friendship is real, and you spend time together. So I want to encourage you that this week to move out of the servant's house and come to the table. The doors are open wide. Could everyone stand with me as we close? Because the doors are open wide, and you can't earn it, you can't deserve it, this reckless love of God is based on what Jesus did for you, not what you did for Jesus. That at our church, to go to the next level, we need to move into the house and walk as friends of God, not simply servants. And today, if you have never asked Jesus Christ into your life to begin that friendship, it starts with faith, by trusting him as your personal Savior, When we're finished, I would like you to come and talk to me or or to Sherry or to one of the other leaders. And we will help you introduce you to to the King of Kings, Jesus Christ. But some of you want to go to the friendship level. And for those who want to go to the friendship level and you would like prayer about that, I want you to come forward as well because we will pray and agree with you. You want to move out of the servant's house through the wide open doors into the dining room and you want to sit down. Be friends of God for the rest of your life. Amen. So, Father, we thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you that you're helping us, you're guiding us by the Holy Spirit out of the servant's house, in through the front door, sitting down at the table and having a meal with the God of the universe, our very own Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for that today, God. We pray for that gift of friendship to be released over Desert Stream and that as we go from here, Lord, that we will be friends of God wherever we go. And we will show people what it's like to be a friend of God. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. If you'd like prayer, please come forward and we will be happy to pray with you. Have a great week and we'll see you Friday for Good Friday service.